Hi everyone, welcome to episode 83 of SAMA, a program which invites an expert to talk about their area of expertise. Today we are delighted to have Reed Davis with us to talk about metabolic chaos, sounds great, nutrition science and FDN. And it's going to be my first question, what is FDN? Reed is a certified nutritional therapist, fitness trainer and environmental paralegal. He is recognized as one of the most successful and experienced clinicians in the world today, having provided functional lab assessments to over 10,000 clients for hormonal and bone density problems, adrenal and thyroid dysfunction, and digestion, detoxification, and immune system issues. He's also an expert in pathogen screening and food sensitivities testing, and many other related health problems. Reed lives in sunny California, teaching the FDN certification course and helping his graduates build robust private practices. Reed, welcome to our show. Well, thanks so much for me having on here, Mr. White. I appreciate it very much. Now, the first question I'd love to know, what is FDN? Well, thanks for asking. And, uh, uh, FDN is a methodology, actually. The letters stand for Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. So it's very much concerned with function of the body, cells, tissues, organs, systems. And then it's diagnostic, not medical diagnosis, but more diagnostic like you do to a car or computer. We do run lab testing to find out what's really wrong. So instead of chasing the symptoms or the immediate organ that it might appear to be coming from, we actually go much deeper and do some other labs, test some foundational functions in the body. So it's functional function. Diagnostic, we use labs and assessments. And then nutrition, because it's not medicine. It's not uh, allopathic. It's not Western medicine at all. It's really nutrition and lifestyle. But that would make the title too long, so we just left it at nutrition, <laughs> functional diagnostic, <laughs> nutrition, and everything else you could do to be healthy. When and, I was um, reading, I was reading what um, you had, what you are very knowledgeable about. You covered all bases, and it's possibly um, part of when you're talking about your functional nutritional diagnostics. It's, 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 it's all encompassing, isn't it? It's looking at all aspects of your body and trying to find perhaps the root cause of issues. It's, you're right, and it's uh, very holistic in terms of how we deal with the problems. But I would say that um, in terms of how we investigate what the problems are, it's very specific, it's very step-by-step. -step. And I could tell you and your listeners that it's easy to remember because there are six areas we look at. So we'll run labs and look at six areas in the body. And it's hormones, immune system, digestion, detoxification, energy production, and nutrition. Now that sounds like a mouthful, but it spells the word hidden. So we look for the hidden underlying causes. And so it's hormone, immune, digestion, detoxification, energy production, and the nervous system, autonomic balance, really. So those six areas seem to regulate or control just about 
everything, or at least that covers a lot of metabolic processes in the body. And I found through experimentation and research and good guidance and mentorship from some very smart people starting 20 years ago, that if you fix those areas, if you can get uh, observations and take action on those areas, we call them the healing opportunities. Uh, And if you can heal and correct those areas, uh, then people's problems simply go away or some vital void might be revealed. If you have a true medical condition, some cancerous tumor or a missing gallbladder or something that's, uh, again, a vital void or very weak link in metabolism, that will also be revealed. But when people come with common complaints, whether it's an endocrine you know, hormonal problem, they could have tiredness, fatigue, anxiety, moodiness, irritability, inability to sleep, digestive problems, pains and aches, and all kinds of things that we call chronic stress-related disorders. Those things can be fixed if you'll follow the protocols. And so first you have to know what's wrong within those hidden areas, and then you have to know how to fix it. Now, when it comes to fixing it, that's where you said uh, I was pretty erudite and, and well uh, respected because I have studied diet and sleep science and exercise science and especially stress reduction and, of course, supplementation. But I don't have my own line of supplements. I'm not selling anything like that. I know a lot about them, though. So now here's another acronym for you. So we look for the hidden, H-I-D-D-E-N, stressors and contributors to metabolic chaos. And then we use the DRESS for Health Success Program. D-R-E-S-S stands for the diet, customized for each person. Rest, critical. Exercise, everyone knows you have to. And then the last two is, again, the stress reduction and supplementation, the two S's. I thought it might be sleeping in shower. <laughs> People say sex, you know, they always get, you know, there's all kinds of things. Yeah, well, I, well this is a family show, so <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say the obvious one. Yes, sir. So, you know, it's functional diagnostic nutrition is a methodology, which means it's a step-by-step method and process, but also it includes the philosophy and ideals and the tenets, uh, the, the principles of health building. And so it's quite a, quite an endeavor. It's uh, well-established. Uh, again, I started developing our craft, if you will, 20 years ago, and it's come quite a long ways. It's, it's fascinating. Um, and it's interesting too, just, Digging deeper and digging deeper until you find the, the true root cause of, um, of issues. I guess um, if someone comes to you with a headache, <laughs> the very, very last thing you do is treat the symptom, give them a, you know, a, a, um, an aspirin or something. The very first thing you'd be wanting to do is get, start digging away, <laughs> find just what is the true cause of it. Well, with, fascinating. Any, with any symptom, uh, you generally, or, or what I would call a traditionally reliable cluster of symptoms. 
it's very easy for a practitioner to uh, classify those a as a condition. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, you're tired, you're fatigued, you're overweight, you got a little brain fog, and uh, you have your extremities seem to be cold and you're constipated. So that is a traditionally. How did you know it? you got you got a perfect score? <laughs> now, so that is a traditionally reliable cluster of symptoms, which would point the yes. finger at thyroid condition. And so, right. so the clinical diagnosis would be thyroid. Now, a physician would then run a thyroid test, and then he would pat himself on the back and say, "I found your problem. You're hypothyroid." Yes. And uh, that's because yes. the cluster symptoms does seem to be related to low thyroid. Thyroid is the uh, hormone that regulates your metabolism for the most part. And so he tests your thyroid. He tests your thyroid and says, I found your problem, your hypothyroid. And then he gives you thyroid horm you know, hormone med medicine and brings the test results into a better range, a better. Now, from my perspective and from the FDN perspective, that is treating the paper. That is treating the paper yes. and the symptoms. And it's hoping the symptoms go away. And guess what? Sometimes they do. But our perspective again is to say, say, well, why is the thyroid hypoactive? And that's the question. So you have to look further upstream. What would affect thyroid, medic, uh, thyroid function? And so there's lots of things, and I could spend an hour just on that one topic and show you that it's not the thyroid at all. In most cases, it's just acting the way it should. It's slowing down metabolism on purpose. It's an adaptive response to stress, and there's many kinds of stress that would do that. Uh, among other things, th that would slow your thyroid down. So it could just be an adaptation to stress. Your body wants to conserve resources. It slows thyroid down. It wants to kind of hibernate in a sense. And so that's our approach. That's our methodology with every symptom or cluster of symptoms is to look upstream and again, I want to point out that uh, when we run our labs, which look at the hormones and the immune system and digestion and detoxification and so on, and fix those things using uh, the holistic behavior, the DRESS program, everything seems to clear up. People just function better and their symptoms disappear or are much abated. And so it's really quite an interesting proposition that one can look upstream and can overcome and not just treat the paper. Right. You should consider having dresses as an acronym because then you can fit the other one in. But it's actually very true, you know, in today's society, you know, get up. What's what's the treadmill? Have you know, hop on the hop on the train, go to work and put the hours in doing in a place where you don't really want to be. <laughs> If you've got lab animals, when you to stress them out, you put them in a place they don't want to be. This is us. This, you know, we are lab animals. Yeah. Well, putting in our eight hours plus 
per day plus the hour each way of commuting, you know, reintroducing ourselves to the idiot drivers on the road or whatever, and, and people pushing in front of you from trains and gosh. So, and so I guess that could explain a, a lot of why many um, chronic conditions are becoming so prevalent now. That's the levels of stress and the tendency that is for people to go to group together in cities rather than keep in villages or become hermits, where <laughs> at least they stress a less. Well, you mentioned uh, stress, and in the DRESS program, the D-R-E-S-S, -S, it's just, you want to keep it simple so people can categorize their behavior into those areas. And of course, stress reduction is actually can be expanded out to a very big area because you mentioned mental emotional stress, driving to work, especially on the left hand side of the street. Who could do that? But uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> mentioned you've done your research, haven't you? But no, actually, Reed, I'll pick you up on the right. So I'm bilingual. Okay. But you're right. New Zealand is on the left. Yeah. Yeah. So. So um, you mentioned mental emotional stress, and it's huge because we have relationships, we have finances, we have uh, you know bosses and uh, workers, and all kinds of mental emotional stress. Now, I would take that a step further and say it includes uh, kind of a spiritual sense, or you know, sense of purpose, sense of meaning, and things like that come along with this mental and emotional kind of stress and I think that's critical. I personally am not an expert in those areas, but you know, I've studied them and I have my own personal methods such as meditation and prayer for handling mental emotional stress. And I also have a big purpose in life and a good outlook and a positive mental attitude. But what's what's affects people equally or more are a couple other kinds of stress. Now, one is uh, physical trauma to the body. Like I, for years, walked around in pain because of a neck injury. And it took me years to figure out how to get out of pain. And it, I actually have a flare-up from time to time. Now, so physical pain, trauma from accidents, injuries. Um, you know, I ride motorcycles, so I've been down several times. And sports injuries from football and things like that. So that's another kind of stress. And it's equally contributing to this chaos, what I call metabolic chaos in the body. And it can flow yes. downstream to something like the endocrine system, the digestive system, the detoxification system, and so on and so on. So we have the mental emotional stress, we have this physical trauma and built up trauma, weakness, imbalances in the physical musculoskeletal system. Mm. But even more devastating can be the environment itself and the number of chemicals that we're subjected to, radiation and electromagnetic frequencies and all kinds of yeah. things. Uh, you know, even bad light at the wrong time of day can cause or contribute to chaos or metabolic chaos in the body flow downstream and it's really quite remarkable uh the amount of abuse that a human being can take when you consider all those things and uh yes, yes. yeah 
uh, Kamler has asked, um, what is, you know, how many oncologists give women oestrogen hormone blockers for breast cancer nowadays? Um, you know, would, would, is that a bad thing? Would it stop the body from healing naturally? No, I think this is a great question because there are people with those uh, metabolic weaknesses and I call them vital voids who do need to continue with medical care. And here's my okay. explanation for that. So, and, and a matter of fact, I'll just say FDN is a tremendous, probably the very best holistic grounding program for people with serious medical conditions on top of their regular chronic stress-related disorders. So here's how I view it. The observations that we make in FDN are deep things that maybe took years to become dysfunctional. Years and years of this assault from the environment, pain, musculoskeletal, and mental and emotional assault. So right. it takes a long time uh, for those things to work their way downstream and for symptoms to appear. And so the observations we make give us the healing opportunities, which will also take time to repair, restore, rebalance, rebuild, and so on. Now, when someone has an, an you know, uh, cancer, the observations that I'm making can't be capitalized on before the downward spiral ends up in, you know, terminal. So in other words, if you have cancer, it's very possible that your downward spiral of function to where you no longer function at all can be so contracted that the observations I can make can't be capitalized on. And that's, but they can be supportive and uh, nurturing and you know help a person who is undergoing uh, cancer treatment so i uh, have a very good perspective on this it's i'm not anti-doctor in any way at all i'm not a physician i'm a nutritionist and holistic health coach and i do use science it's all evidence-based based on laboratory work but again if you have a, a medical condition you want, you want to do both. You want to, you know, you follow a DRESS program, D-R-E-S-S, but your biggest stressor right now is a uh, metabolism gone wild. And it, the, the contracted process will need medical intervention. And so you're in the okay. best of both worlds, hopefully. Getting the best okay. medical care and building yourself up holistically as much as you can. Right. Now, I noticed when you described your lifestyle, which is meditation, prayer, riding motorcycles, all very healthy activities, there are things that you obviously enjoy doing. And so that presumably would lower your stress levels and uh, relieve some of the burden that your body has. So when it, when it comes to other things that may appear um, in your body, your body can, can handle um, 
you know, this chaos. Yes, <laughs> being well, because, well, I'm pretty self-aware and I, there's a funny yes. thing and it's that I wake up happy almost every day. You know, I, I really have this um, inborn childlike uh, attitude or, or uh, disposition and constitution. And, <laughs> and then a few seconds after that, you realize, gosh, I've got a sandwich today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not, not saying uh, I don't have a bad day here and there, but just generally speaking, I wake up happy. Yes. And yeah, I, I like fun right. things. I mean, to me, fun yes. is uh, a core need. And so um, I do have fun. But I also am serious. I'm, uh, I want to help people. I have a purpose and yes. mission in life. It isn't just to have fun, but um, yes, you know, it's what I do is fun. I don't consider it work, and I've spent uh, 20 years doing the health space, and before that, I was in environmental law. So back then, in environmental law, I was saving the planet. You know, water, air, birds, bees, trees, and then. Uh, 20 years ago, I turned my attention to what are all these things in the environment, all these toxins and poisons and, and things, what is it doing to people, including me? And so, uh, yeah, and I had some other career before that where I was exposed to a lot of toxins. So I had a lot of work to do. And so I walked yeah. the talk uh, as much as I can. You saw that beautiful sunset over my shoulder here before the sun went. That was great. Did you see that? Yes. I live. I live very distracting. <laughs> yeah. I live on a mountain, on a lake, and there's no no houses really close. Uh, some, there's a couple wow. of big ones down the hill, but um, it's really something I've worked very hard to to kind of try to clean up my life. And I, again, I have a science, I have a methodology where anybody can do it, but it, you have to take the first step. And, um, you know, we're all on the steps. We're all on the stairs. There's people uh, yes. sort of above me that I look up to and reach. And there's people who aren't as healthy as me. And I, I help pull them up. You know, we want to, we're just all, I don't know anybody at the top. Let's put it that way, right? Do you know anyone who's perfect yet? Uh, no, no, not in this world anyway. Uh. Now, can we talk about hormonal imbalance? We touched on it earlier on. Um, you're talking about some of the symptoms of um, hormone imbalance, but what can be done about it? Is there a natural way to overcome a hormonal imbalance? Well, sure. And uh, as I said, the, the DRESS program, D-R-E-S-S, affects every cell, every tissue, every organ and every system, the entire organism. So we take a very holistic approach. Having said that, there are some little tricks you can play temporarily with hormone support and uh, with organ specific organ support. So, but let's back up a bit and let's say, where does this hormonal imbalance come from? Well, the word stress keeps seem to be popping up here 
because you are perfectly designed to deal with stress temporarily. And so you've seen on TV, now I don't know if you watch the, we call it the Discovery Channel. I, I think over the pond, it's some other channel, but you see the lion chasing the zebra. And one zebra gets caught. And then in five minutes, the other zebras are in the background, you know, milling around, eating their hay while the lion eats their buddy. And so they were very stressed. And then they're not stressed because they're not being chased. They're no longer uh, the target of man-eating or, you know, uh, uh, a hunter. So now we are similar in that, in that we can handle some stress and are supposed to return to normal. And in that process, our cortisol would rise, our adrenaline would rise, some other hormones actually go down, and that allows us to deal with the stress. We could run faster, jump higher, our eyes dilate so we can see better. The blood goes from the extremities towards the central nervous system and all kinds of things. Your digestion actually slows down. Reproductive ability slows down under stress. So if you were uh, driving your car and you get cut off by some uh, bad driver, uh, your court, you know, this would be a st normal stress response. And when the situation's over, your hormones would go back to normal. However, okay. we are now subject to such constant stress, much of it we're not even aware of. It isn't just someone cutting you off in traffic or an encounter with a fellow employee who's a bad person. You know? <laughs> uh, I know the word you had. I was almost out. And I commend you on not leaving it out. Well, you said it's a family show, you know. And so, That's right. That's right. so there's the, the lighting, you know, there's the radiation from your computer. There's the uh, yes. toxins in the air and water and in everything you eat, if you don't eat purely organic and, and nobody does. Yes. And so uh, there's all kinds of these toxins. And again, the accumulated trauma and stress of a weak body. And so that is constant and it's constant and it's constant. So our hormone system, the, the defense system, the, the stress handling system gets overburdened and overtaxed and little dysfunctions begin to occur. Weaknesses, uh, for instance, in the, what's called the negative feedback loop, your brain starts to think it's normal to be stressed out. And it just plays games with all of your hormones, again, including uh, uh, other yes. systems, you know, like the immune system, the hormonal system, your digestive system, your detoxification system. They all are starting to get affected. That's why I call the root of all evil is metabolic chaos. It just creates chaos. And the odd thing, everyone is different. You know, stress will affect one person one way and it kind of gets in the body and it does its thing. And uh, their symptoms can be completely different from mine, even though the original stressor was the exact same thing. That was an observation I made after testing 10,000 people. Um, you, you know, it's obviously clear to most of your listeners that if you work as close as you can to the underlying cause, you'll get better. If you only treat symptoms, yes. 
you'll continue to just treat symptoms and new ones appear and you chase those and you chase the next set, things like that. But if you can work at the causal level, uh, you're going to get better or have a more reasonable expectations about getting better. Uh, but what's not so intuitive, so that we all know, what's not so intuitive, again, is the exact same symptoms can have completely different causes or the exact same cause can have completely different symptoms depending on who you're talking to, depending on who is the victim, if you will, or the client. We try not to call our clients victims. <laughs> but they are. <laughs> Next victim. Okay. You, 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 you refer them as collateral damage. Right. <laughs> um, now, can, are there any foods you can take which can, will naturally reduce stress, help your body become balanced? In the well, yes. The answer is yes. And, and likewise, food is a tremendous stressor. It's one of the biggest stressors because you do it every day. So food can be very stressful. So it's very interesting. If I go back to my dress model, D-R-E-S-S, -S, diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and supplementation. The diet can be very stressful. You know, over-exercise could be stressful. Yeah. No sleep could be yes. stressful. So stress reduction really is yes. the, the, the biggest area. And food can be very stressful, and removal of it can reduce stress. Removal of the foods that you're sensitive to that are kind of uh, irritating your immune system for one, uh, your nervous system for another. Uh, those are two big areas that food can uh, wreak havoc with. Yes, yes. Carmela has asked another question. It's another good one. She's got a habit of doing this. Um, she's asking, where does internal fungus have its role as a major base cause. Fantastic. Well, now we're getting into the area of pathology, which we, we didn't even mention. One of the yes. biggest no. hidden stressors is parasites, bacteria, yes. fungus, as mm -hmm. you mentioned, and viruses. Now, these uh, habitate our bodies. Some are actually our bodies can handle on their own. We're, we're ingesting germs, if you will, which is mostly bacteria, uh, all the time. And our body's perfectly designed to handle most of what you'd normally be exposed to. There are some right. uh, of this pathology, you know, uh, let's just call them bugs for just for fun. Some of these bugs are so virulent that, again, I can't help you. So if you get off, get off an airplane from West Africa and your temperature is 105 degrees and your eyes are bleeding, um, don't call your nutritionist. You go straight to the emergency room <laughs> and, and seek intervention right. at a very, very high, heroic level. So, but aside from that, our bodies are designed to handle a lot of different bugs. The issue, as I just said, uh, now they are a stressor. They are a contributor to metabolic chaos, but they're also often the result of metabolic chaos. In other words, a weakened immune system. Some people are better hosts, and so what are called opportunistic organisms like fungi uh, will 
just overgrow and they become a problem. And uh, they, again, I think are the result of an unhealthy host, someone who has some uh, state of metabolic chaos, weak immune system, poor digestive system. They're not detoxifying their body very well. They, you know, there's a lot that can be stinking up the place, including fungus. And so then you add another layer of uh, biofilms, dysbiosis, and then bigger bugs will come along. So right. an, an analogy that I um, use sometimes for the lay person, which a lot of people think is politically incorrect, but I'm going to risk it here. And that is that uh, if you had a slum, a very bad neighborhood, we call it a ghetto here in the U.S. Um, and there was a lot of uh, transients and uh, what some people would call bums living there. Um, well, it's filthy and, and it attracts bums, you know. Now, you could chase away the uh, transients, let's call them, uh, these people living there. But if you didn't fix up the slum, they would just come back. And so your body is like that. If you have fungus or parasites or bacterial overgrowth that is causing dysfunction and further chaos in the body, because they exude uh, toxins, including neurotoxins, we call them biotoxins, um, mycotoxins, mm -hmm. um, and they can really wreak havoc with your brain and your immune, all kinds of things. So anyway, so you can try to treat those. It's another example of a physician saying, uh, what are your symptoms? Oh, I've got diarrhea, stomach cramps, and no appetite, and on and on. So, oh, that sounds like you might have a parasite. So let's do a stool test, take some stool samples. Oh, pat myself on the back, I found your problem. It's, these, it's this H. pylori, or it's this blastocystis hominis, or something. Here's your treatment. Call me in three months. Let me know how you are. Well, if, if you don't also clean up the weak uh, intestinal tract and, and things, um, the person will just end up a year later seeing a different physician, and he'll find a different set of bugs. And that, that I've seen that over and over again in my practice. Uh, people tell me that one doctor treated them for a fungus. Year later, they're getting treated for a bacterial overgrowth. Year after that, they're getting treated for a parasite, and so on and so on. Well, because no one cleaned up the slum. Right. Wow. So you got to clean the um, the terrain. Is does um, blood sugar play a role in this, right? Or well, sugar just by itself? Very interesting about blood sugar because I've made some observations on that too, and. Uh, People have uh, what would be called, let's start with glucose homeostasis issues. In other words, their blood sugar is going up and down, even though they don't eat poorly. You know, you can actually have people who eat pretty well, and yet they don't seem to be able to maintain steady blood sugar, which is required for good thinking, good energy, good mood, etc. And so you need, you need a steady supply and constant not up too high, not down too low. And people generally can regulate that with their diet. But some people eat well, and yet carbohydrate metabolism has been the target 
of other dysfunctions in the body. And, and again, this is what I mean by weak links in metabolism. So um, you could eat well and still end up with uh, carbohydrate metabolism issues and glucose homeostasis yeah. problems. Now, then you could take the other person where it's more obvious. They've eaten poorly. They actually almost on purpose uh, spike their blood sugar and then it crashes and then they end up with more serious carbohydrate metabolism issues. Now that can cascade depending on one's individual weak links in metabolism, what I also call vital voids sometimes, into all kinds of other areas. It could actually affect uh, neuronal conductivity, you know, nerve cell uh, activity. It could affect uh, fat and protein metabolism as well. It could affect your immune system. It could affect the endocrine system. And so um, if you eat poorly, that's an obvious way to, uh, you know, create carb metabolism issues. And that cascades into all these other areas in your body. And the symptoms that you go in to a physician for originally might have nothing to do with blood sugar. That might be your secondary condition. So you have a person who's has blood sugar regulation issues because of metabolic chaos from other stressors and uh, dysfunction. And you have the person who purposely has uh, blood sugar issues and that cascades. So that's why I see a lot of these symptom clusters are contributors to metabolic chaos and the result of metabolic chaos. And so it's why you need a holistic program. This is the crux of the issue. It's why you need to learn how to treat every cell, tissue, and organ in your body at once. Do you, do you see common causes of conditions? Peter Evans is asking about gout and arthritis. Do you find that there seems to be a commonality between people, even though their makeup is different, for those two conditions, which were given as the example? Well, that, that's kind of a trap in a way, <clears throat> because I just kind of went through how a traditionally reliable cluster of symptoms, it might yes. seem to be, oh, that's your thyroid. That sounds like thyroid, because um, there are patterns yes. that are recognizable in what are called traditionally reliable cluster of symptoms in the allopathic model. So a cluster of symptoms, you know, um, and then here's a test and, and yep, you know, so uh, here's your treatment. So um, I tend to uh, do a little bit of preaching. I don't, it doesn't matter what the symptom is really, except, except in the case of, again, the downward spiral uh, being so contracted that you need intervention. And that's where some of these medical uh, treatments and things are very handy. So relief is is important i'm not saying ignore the pain in your big toe if you have gout and i'm not asking you to give me six months to figure out all of the uh, metabolic chaos uh and and eventually it'll go away no there is treatment immediate uh relief care and what you would want to do is take the most um non-invasive most conservative most natural thing you could to relieve the symptoms first. So with gout, of course, everyone knows cherry juice is uh, very effective. If you can get enough of it, you can take 
uh, these concentrates and things and, and get some relief. But what you really need to do is look at protein metabolism and are eating uh, poorly and, and then you know, you're kind of going upstream from there. And also I noticed that uh, arthritis was mentioned and it's not directly connected to gout that I know of it's, but it is an inflammatory condition. And so, um, you know, it depends on the, uh, person and what's originating the inflammation and is it, uh, from an outside influence or is it from your own body? There's autoimmune conditions where your body is very confused will attack itself. So there's autoimmune, uh, arthritis and then there's just osteoarthritis, which is more from activity and sports injury and, and things like that. So I have some arthritis in my neck, um, shoulder, yes. both knees. I, I was very active. I have what's called a well-used body. <laughs> now, um, Mike Anthony asks a question, and it probably pertains to the example you gave of this uh, lion chasing and consuming a zebra. Because Mike has asked, should we limit meat consumption? <laughs> <laughs> but I see the connection. I, I've I've added a spin to it, okay? But, but that's a good question. Well, let me Should let me limit. put a perspective on that that would be helpful, I hope. And that is that every human needs to fuel their body, and the three macronutrients are protein, fat, and carbohydrates. And you need all three. Now it's very interesting that uh, some people need less or more of one than the other. So there is a ratio, there is a ratio of protein, fat, and carbs that will work for you. And when you get it right, you'll know it because your body will function better. Every cell, tissue, and organ will function better. You will feel better. You'll have more energy. You'll be satiated by the, by the meal. You won't crave things, and uh, you should actually have a sense of well-being if you eat right. If you're healthy and eat a good meal, satiation, you've satisfied your hunger, and you're not craving anything, and boy, that was a great meal, uh, but you're not falling asleep. You actually have good energy, and you're able to produce some work or some art or some whatever it is uh, through to the next meal, hopefully, and then also a sense of well-being. You know, you shouldn't be cranky or irritated for no reason you know if, if you just got fired you've got a reason but otherwise you have no reason so those three elements uh the satiation and the energy and the sense of well-being are good measurements uh, or okay. whether a meal had the right ratio okay. first ratio of protein fat and carbs and then to address the question more specifically, which proteins, fats, and carbs? So now we get you know, the baseline in there, and should you eat meat? Well, I think we are designed pretty well to consume and, uh, and burn uh, you know, meat. It's got great protein, it's got great fat, and uh, with a little bit of the right carbohydrates and the right ratios, I think you're, you're doing pretty good there. Now, so the question is, can you eat too much? Yeah, you could eat too much of anything. You could drink too much water. You could actually drink too much water and thin your blood out and, and all kinds of bad things could happen. You could, 
headaches. So you don't want to do too much of anything like that. But you'll find the right ratio if you follow my guidelines. You've preempted one of my future questions. I was going to fire at you. But the hinds are squeezed in before that, and he's asking, how do we treat metabolic issues? Like, um, I guess it's going to be quite a difficult one to answer because there could be so many root causes, so many yes. things to address. But is there any, is, can you put a simple answer to that? Well, you know, I'm going to revert to my holistic lifestyle program. Dress. Dress yes. for health success. Yes. It's so successful, that expression, dress for health success, that we were granted a trademark by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. You know, they, they looked at our, I submitted and, and were granted a trademark because it's very successful. And uh, all of my FDN practitioners, I've trained over 2,500 people in 50 different countries, including the U.K. and Canada and Australia and New Zealand and all of the United States. And some places I didn't even know were countries. But, um, you know, we've trained a lot of people to look at what's wrong using the lab work. Figure out what needs fixing. And then how to fix it? Well, we don't want to treat specifics like doctors because that's fractionating. And that, that just leads to a cycle of treat this, treat that, treat this, treat that. You literally, with the right holistic lifestyle can treat anything including those metabolic issues that you're talking about whether it's um you know energy production or digestion or um rebuilding cells or you know what, whatever it is yeah, yeah absolutely that's the system uh, again it's um not just theory yes it sounds like the allopathic system is really a, um, a very shallow way of treating problems rather than um, one that's got more, more um, of an overall understanding of the body and applying what the body needs. It's very important. Uh, um, no. Sorry. Sorry, you go. You well, it's not one or the other. You know, it's, it's really, there's a place for allopathy. That means treating symptoms. And I use what we call intelligent allopathy. And so there typically okay. is a relief period. You know, um, if a lady comes to me and she has hormonal imbalances and she's having hot flashes and night sweats, these are very uncomfortable. And they need some allopathy. They need some treatment. You know, you need something for relief. So you can think straight and get a good night's sleep. And now you can come back to the table and do the corrective care. And then, of course, there's also maintenance care. So where we, our space is the corrective care. Um, there's plenty of doctors around to give you a pill. And you can even yes. talk to a lot of nutritionists and they'll give you a natural pill. I would prefer that. Um, I used to do that okay. myself, uh, you know. And, and still do to this day if when required relief you get but the, it's the corrective nature uh an area that we are that's our space and that's not what physicians do so there is a use for allopathic medicine allopathic nutrition allopathic supplementation and there's also things like massage and um lots of things that will relieve meditation can relieve 
give some relief care, but I, I don't think it's enough to correct metabolic chaos. Right. Kamla's put in another good question to us. Um, she's asking you, Reid, um, do you have a suggestion to counter bone mass loss, which occurs with um, hormone and chemo treatments? Is there, is there something you can do to prevent or reduce? Yes, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So bone uh, naturally remodels. It's a slow process, but it does remodel. There are hormones involved. And uh, most women with cancer um, get estrogen blockers. You know, a lot of cancers estrogenic. So it's estrogenic type mm -hmm. cancers and they're given estrogen blockers. And yet estrogen is what regulates the resorption of bone. You know, so um, if you have estrogen, it slows down bone loss but it also can cause cancer. So estrogen is very important to slow down bone loss. It, it affects what's called the osteoclast. And so unfortunately, um, you know, that can be um, a, uh, something to deal with, you know, like it's, it's hard to recommend estrogen to women with cancer because they have estrogenic cancer and it's, it's forbidden. So it's a tough thing. But the other thing on the other side is the rebuilding of bone. And so that's also regulated by hormones. There's uh, for one progesterone. Progesterone is very protective and it stimulates the osteoblast. The osteoblast is a cell that, that lays down new bone. And so it creates a new bone cell. Actually the osteoblast becomes a bone cell and it's stimulated by progesterone which is actually counter uh, regulatory to estrogen it's it's a it's like the good hormone if you will in terms of bones and there's one other factor and that is stress and cortisol so cortisol is considered your stress hormone and it uh, will slow down bone formation so if you have a combination right. of low estrogen and low progesterone which a lot of senior citizens have and then you have stress on top of it. You you can lose more bone uh, than you would imagine, you know. But I have one more comment to make about um, osteoporosis because I've studied it thoroughly and I've tested thousands of people for bone density, thousands, and uh, observed before and after uh, lifestyle uh, type remediation. And so. Um, the point I was going to make was that most people who are, let's say 60 and never had uh, any real health problems, but they have low bone density, like osteoporosis or osteopenia. The truth is they just never had good bones. They never reached a good solid peak bone mass, which happens around 30 years old. So most people's bone mass continues to improve until they're about 30. And then with the right balance and everything, you remodeling processes, you should maintain it at a fairly high rate. And um, so if you had really good bones, you don't have to worry about that stuff. But if you had average or a little less than average bones, you're probably going to have, you know, weak bones when you get older if, if, you, don't, if you don't watch out. <laughs> Understand these things. Oh, so if you go. 
Yes, yes. So it's important to get good bone mass at 30. So we've got years left, haven't we, Reid, before we well, um, I hope, reach that yeah. peak? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, uh, Daniel Carrington... Sorry. Um, Daniel uh, Carrington has asked... Um, he's saying, Happy New Year, welcome back to work. Yeah, it works great. <laughs> um, he's, he's saying, really, in, a, in the modern world, with this dep depletion of nutrition in the foods available to us, and even nanomaterials being introduced to the foods, um, he's specifically asking, what are you doing yourself to overcome that problem? Well, for one, I do try to eat organic vegetables and meats. So I eat only grass-fed beef or buffalo. I do eat game meat from time to time when I can. Uh, I'm not a hunter or anything. I don't like killing things, but I, I do, you know, you can order them online and shop around. Um, yes. So organics. Now, the best thing about organic is that you're, it's what you're not getting. It's that they are uh, raised uh, without the antibiotics and hormones. Uh, the vegetables are grown without the uh, herbicides and pesticides and in, insecticides and other things. So you're, you you can first thing to do is eat really well so you can avoid contamination and pollution and such. Now, on top of that, um, you need a good digestive system. So you actually are breaking down and absorbing the nutrients that are in the food. And having said that, there still isn't enough nutrition in food. Because even organic, it doesn't have that much extra vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients and uh, things in it, essential fatty acids and all these things. So, so you, you want to supplement. And I do supplement. If I took you around the corner to my kitchen, you'd see an amazing array, uh, a, a, a veritable cornucopia of supplements. And... You know, I don't take them all every day, but I do take them every day, and I have my favorites, yes. and, and it can change from time to time. But you get—it's kind of a game, and everyone has too many. You—I've—I've just just yesterday was tossing out some old ones that I hadn't really ever gotten into, and of course because I'm in the business, people send me samples all the time, and it's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I think everyone should take. Uh, and I'll give you a, a, a clue here for the average person. Remember, you got your macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbohydrates in the right ratios. Eat, eat good whole food. Things that come in a bag or box, probably not whole food. Eat, eat uh, yeah. produce now, uh, and, and good, good meats and things like that. But you'll also need to supplement vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and essential fatty acids, something like your, your fish oil and that kind of a thing. And then take something else to support anything you think is going on. Like for men, you want to take a male support. For women, you want to take a female, you know, hormone metabolic support and, and these kind of things. So that's five supplements that everyone should be taking every day. Okay. And I probably take 20 on a lot of days. And I cycle on and yes. off. I go sometimes for yes. a week. Just, just can't handle it anymore. You know, I think my body's telling me I need a rest. I drink also nothing pure. Sorry, last thing, nothing but pure filtered water. 
That's all you need to drink. Um, Peter Evans is asking a, um, a question. He's asking what is the best way, if there is a way, uh, to grow back your heart or improve your heart function after multiple heart attacks? Um, and has been if you've been told you if you only have thirty percent functional heart and uh, you cannot have stints inserted, what what advice would you give to Peter? You Is know, there a it, way that you can obviously I I don't know the the person or the background or the uh, situation and, and I can't give medical advice because I'm not a physician and I even if I was yes. I wouldn't give it over the internet. But I can okay. give you some principles about how to build any muscle. And if you yes. don't use a muscle, you're not going to build that muscle. And yes. uh, I know that hearts can grow new, new vessels uh, if you exercise it correctly. Now, there's something called uh, cardiopulmonary exercise. Cardiopulmonary means the heart and lungs working together. And you want to build the capacity of both. Uh, the heart is designed to beat a big beat. It's, supposed, it's a muscle. It's strong muscle. And it pushes yes. blood out into the arterial tree around your body. And so big push. It pushes the blood out. And then, of course, it rests. And then it yes. Contracts again. So you want those to be big, strong contractions of about one per second, mm -hmm. one per second, about 60 per minute would be real healthy. Now, um, someone who's got some heart uh, uh, defect, if you will, you know, from surgery or from uh, genetics or from accidents or, or what have you, uh, is going to have to really work with what they have. But um, do we have time for another quick analogy? How, how are we doing? Sure, sure. No, we've got we've got a whole minute, so we, well, we can. I'll just do, say your body. I love your analogy. So. The the body is able to adapt. Um, now cars do not adapt, but if you took a Volkswagen and it was a human body, so we all know what a Volkswagen is. Uh, very, um, you know, small cylinders and uh, not a lot of gas being used, and you know you could step on it real hard. It's never gonna be a dragster, is it? You wouldn't take it to the drag strip and try to uh, ra race against one of these muscle, big muscle cars. However, if a, Volkswagen, if a Volkswagen was a human body, like a heart, you know, the engine being the heart and these kind of things, and you kept drag racing and drag racing and drag racing and drag racing that Volkswagen, if it was human with human adaptabilities, the cylinders would actually get larger. The fuel lines would actually get larger. The carburation and the ability to get air into the cylinders for the compression would get larger. And so pretty soon it'd be a pretty good dragster. So that's a principle involved right. in heart health and in understanding that it's a pump and it's a, it's, it's a muscle and you can now all with your doctor's advice. You don't want the, the darn thing to stop on you, you know, blow a gas. No, no. So check, check. That's right. So Peter, I, I guess before you um, ask you, you know, consult with your doctor to ensure that you can do exercise, go to the car dealer and see if they have any Volkswagens for you. I think that's the message that um, Peter's giving yeah. through now. 
Now, there's, um, uh, we haven't got much time left, but I wanted to touch a little bit more on the water. Um, you talked about the importance of drinking water, filtered water. Is distilled water okay? No. Distilled water has had all of the okay. minerals distilled out of it, unless you want to add some minerals back in. Now, you know, I'll, I'll okay. qualify that by saying if it's all you have, drink it and take some minerals and yes. some vitamins and things like that. Um, and, and some people use distilled water because it's the only pure water they can get their hands on, but it wouldn't be generally considered drinking water. Okay. Hey, um, we've run out of time, but I really want to squeeze in one question. I've got a, I've got questions which I was supposed to go through, but I've, you know, obviously run out of time, but it's one that I really want to ask because it's, um, it's got me sort of thinking now, olive oil, is olive oil a health food or not? <laughs> well, you, you know, it, there's a omega-3, omega-6, omega-9. So you need yes. combination. And I, I think you, okay. if you're going to do olive oil, that's very good. You need to balance it out with the other omegas, you know. So, um, okay. yeah, you, you want to get a variety um, depending on your okay. genetics. So back to that metabolic typing. Yes. Olive oil is very good for some people. Others need more of the omega-3. And, and in this country, United States, we're way out of balance between omega-3 and omega-6. So I do like okay. olive oil. I love to cook with it. Okay, okay. Do you use coconut oil? And is that Absolutely. also beneficial? I cook with coconut yes. oil too. There's nothing like putting a piece of fish in the frying pan in coconut oil. You know, like... It gets crispy brown. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, co coconut oil uh, has a very high uh, smoking temperature, so you can get it real hot before yes. it starts yes. to smoke. It's it's it's. Yes. I think it's the yes. perfect oil, and you can even put it on your face <laughs> and shine it up if you want. Yeah, you can hear a buff in the morning. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it works for mine too. I, I agree. Now the um, yeah, to have to use coconut oil for chip. And to actually have healthy chips. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's potatoes, can have hard carbohydrates, yeah. Yeah. healthy oils. You can't go wrong. I, I say, I say, it's go for your chips. Stuff. You know, if if um if you do well with them, if they're part of a balanced meal, yeah. Or even a snack. I mean, you know, generally chips are pretty starchy, and most people don't cook it in a good oil. Um, but but you know, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Sure. Well, um, thank you, thank you so much for um, for coming on to our show today and, and uh, teaching us about the ov overall, um, you know, to, to find the root cause of problems and then approach it, look at things from a different angle. And um, it might not be the fastest way to resolve an issue, but it's certainly the way to, I think, to really sort it out once and for all. So, um, Reed Davis, thank you so much for coming on board. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Reed. Thanks for giving us okay. your time. Thank you for teaching us new things. Okay. All okay. right, my friend. We'll, we'll talk again. If people have more questions for me, if you find they have questions, I'll come back. I'll, I'll do another talk with you. Great, great. So this one wasn't too bad then. <laughs> All right, John. I'm going to sign off. Okay, you take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.